0: Father, we thank you that the Holy Spirit is the teacher. We thank you that all of us, we, right now, we we lean upon the wisdom of God. We lean upon the bosom of Jesus right now as John the Beloved, and we just begin to to just submit our minds, and we we direct our heart's affection completely at you, God. Father, right now, we, we just, we ask you that if there is any corruption, if there's any thought patterns that don't bless you, that don't, that don't help us in this journey, that Lord, we thank you that you would pinpoint them tonight, that you would, you would help us see the hindrance you would help us see the things that are obstructing our view of Jesus and his beauty. Lord, we come against all the principalities of darkness and we just speak the name of Jesus. We thank you that as we read the scripture, that we would not read it from a place of mere intellectualism, but that we would, we would dive into the pools of revelation. We would allow you to take us deep and immerse us in the revelation of who you are. Jesus is the word of God. The word of God is not words on a page, but it is a person. Let us fall more in love with Jesus. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Amen. Thank you so much, Frank. I wish I had hair like Frank. Frank's, Frank's, man, you, you rock it, man. <laughs> um, so uh, last week we went through the letter of Philemon, and uh, if you've been with us, uh, it's it is in my heart to either next week or the following week, to take a whole night to talk about sexual immorality according to Scripture. Does everybody believe that we're in a day and age where that is so important that we really know what God's heart is on that? I want you all to know, like even to give a, a, pre, a preface to us talking about that, that it's very easy sometimes for us to kind of take this harsh approach towards sexual Immorality, And I want you to know we, sh- we should have draw a line in the sand, but I want you to know that it's so important that we have compassion for those that are really struggling with that and that, that we wanna get God's heart for it to warn people and for there to be a sobriety to that. But we also want to, to allow the convictions and the compassion of God to rule in our hearts so we're able to truly minister and so we're truly able to call people into his marvelous light. So the reason we're not going there fully tonight is because we, are, we will be touching on it. But I, I really sensed a pivot, and it was interesting because we did Philemon last week, which is just one chapter. And it's, isn't it awesome that there are some letters in the Bible that are just one chapter, it's just like you can get, you, could, you can knock it out and like really learn a whole bunch if you do line upon line. And I really uh, sense in my heart we're gonna do the, 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 the book of Jude tonight, which is uh, if you have a Bible, you go Revelation, last book of the Bible, just turn left. It's right there. Um, you can go there and if you, as Nick was talking about, 10, you have 10 fingers, you're gonna need all of those to hold your places. Tonight, I am a firm believer that when you go through a book of the Bible, it should take you through the entire Bible because God is, he's so marvelous that when you're reading his scriptures, he's taking you through all of them and showing you because it's, it tells us in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it says, be diligent, everyone say, be diligent, to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Did you know really and uh David Grimes sent me sent me a video with um Leonard Ravenhill's son did an inter- interview with Eric Gilmore recently and it was it was it was precious. Is it, is it David So yeah. It was a really awesome interview, and one of the things that he 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 I'm paraphrasing a quote, but it was along the lines that when you emphasize a part of God, you fall into heresy. But when you emphasize the whole counsel, the whole counsel of God's word, you find the person. And it, it, it's along the lines that what do we find in a, that's happening in the church with false doctrine and things like that is people really, they exalt an attribute of God, but they don't, they don't pair it with, all the other attributes of God and you can fall into heresy. You can fall into a misrepresentation of who God is. Now I do want to make sure I, I share a disclaimer that there will be times in your life that God needs you to have a greater revelation of an aspect of who he is. So you'll go through different seasons where God will be sharing with you more. You'll, you'll need to hear grace over and over again in a season where you're really beating yourself up and then you, you might get lazy with some things so you need to hear about the faithfulness of God and how you need to be diligent. You know what I'm saying? Like That God is, he, he's so sweet, he's so, he's so multifaceted that you don't wanna get caught up in just emphasizing parts but not finding a balance. With, with the word of God. It's, it, it, I think it says in Acts chapter 20 verse 27 that Paul says that I, I taught the whole counsel of God. That, that's intense, like Paul endeavored to, to give a well-rounded understanding of God's character. Were we all Couldn't we all admit that there's so much more we need to learn about God? Yeah. So because of that, do you, know, do you know the greatest ammunition we have? to know him more is this book by the spirit of god Amen. by the spirit of god and the apostles taught us that in through the book of acts and in jude we'll find that as well but rightly dividing the word of god needs to be that's not just for that's not just for pastors or people in five-fold ministry to rightly divide the word. Did you know every day it's important that the whole body of Christ is getting an appetite to rightly divide the word, to getting hungry to study? Because you're not studying a book, you're, you're learning more about the lover of your soul. That you want to study him. You want to know what he likes, what he doesn't like. You want to know what blesses him. You want to, right? So you would want to know. You would want to study to know who he is. And I I firmly believe that if you don't rightly divide the word, that the enemy will divide you. He'll, he'll, He'll cause division. He'll cause so many things in your thought process. We have to know the word of God. And and, I, and this is where I have to be a little extra for a moment, a little, I have to give warning and correction to the body of Christ. We, we as Americans in Western civilization do not know how blessed we are. To ha- like, do you know how blessed we are to just come into this room, teach the word in comfortable air conditioning, in, in comfortable chairs, there's no threats, to, to to nobody's coming in to to sh, to cut my head off or to, to you know, there's nothing like that going on. We have this freedom, and not only do we have this freedom, we have Bibles on our phone and in multiple translations. Yet, for some reason, there's so many people that say that like they don't have time to study, or that they they just don't like reading, or and I, I'm here to tell you that. You're gonna to have to give an account for all that you had in front of you. And that, that's why I want to warn you, this is me, this is me saying this from a place of love, that if you're not in the word, and I was just like, it's okay, you can just come to church once in a while and you know get, you know. I'm I'm glad that we come together and that we can grow in that, but you need to get alone with him, read the word, ask the Holy Spirit questions. Make it something that's so personable between you, but could could we, all just, could we all just endeavor to step it up if you're not? Like, ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom on how I can be a better steward of what I've been given in a very privileged society. Amen? So, Psalm 119.11, another verse. I'm just trying to set the precedent with the, how precious the Word of God is. The psalmist said, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is one of those verses you want to memorize. And what I love about this is you only, we've talked about this, but I just want to, you only hide things you value. That's why you you make passwords and things like that. You you hide things that you value. And what we find is that the psalmist is telling us, I Value the word of God so much that it's it's in a place in my heart that nobody else has access to remove it. Nobody has access to corrupt it or manipulate it because I have it. Because what happens if somebody has I'm sure there's people in the room that people have tried to hack your bank account or have tried to has people in the room dealt with that before? I know I have. What's the first thing you do? As soon as you find out, do you just say, Oh, it's no big deal? They can take it all. Like, no, as soon as you find out, you're like, that was hidden. And you take immediate action. Because if you value something and it's hidden, soon as there's an infringement or an attack on it, you know. But if you don't value the word of God, you don't even know if the enemy's coming and manipulating. Because you you're not valuing it enough to even know that somebody is coming to steal that word. Because what did Jesus tell us with the parable of the sowers? That the word of God is like seed. And soon as it gets sown, it says that the enemy tries to come and steal that. But if you value, you know, if there's any good gardeners, you know, when you, when you plant stuff, you don't, you make sure you, you, you do a really good job planting to make sure you cultivate so it grows. and. This is why a church body is so precious because once you get consistent, like I, I, I know, and I'm not trying to, I don't want to be boastful in any way because the Lord, it, it, we only boast in the cross. We only boast in the gospel. The one thing I want to say is that because we are honoring the word of God to the best of our ability, I, that's why I'm so confident in the home groups, and I'm confident in what happens in our midst because we're going to put him first. We're going to we're gonna, we're gonna put the word first. I, I, I'm so thankful some of the men in this church that I talk to on a regular basis, when we even have a question about something theological or something, maybe, maybe it's just something that's kind of creeped in unnoticed and a lot of people have just accepted it but haven't challenged it in scripture. We want to have a conversation together and say, let's make sure, let's make sure we validate this in God's word and it's not just an emotionalism thing. That's, that's important because if you, this is the thing about rightly dividing the word, the more truth you have in your heart, you will not fall for the flirtations of a lie. If you're married to, since I'm married to my wife, I don't fall for flirtations from other women. If you're married to truth, you won't, you won't allow a lie to flirt with you. You'll shut it down because your, your heart is so full of truth. And this is why I want, I want to share, I, I want to bring encouragement to people tonight, but I also have to bring warning because if you know anything about the book of Jude, if you've read it before, it's, it, it starts out encouraging, packs a punch, and then it ends extremely encouraging. It's awesome. I love it. But I I want you to know that he he is so faithful and that if you would, if we as a body would so learn to lean on him, um, to, like Paul says, I know in whom I have believed. And I I am convinced that he is faithful to keep what he has promised me, like he, he, since Paul knows God so well, he knows what's, what what's his life is headed towards, did you know that we, we have to walk this narrow path, but the more you know him, the less you have to be at this place of like, oh I don't know what's going to happen, I don't know, like you don't have to be fearful, it says that he, that the fear of death has been defeated, that we don't have to fear death, that we can walk confidently following him. Did you know, what does the Bible say in John chapter 10? It says, he is the good shepherd. Did you know how dumb sheep are? Like, if you've ever studied sheep, like, if a sheep falls over... It, it can't get back up on its own. It'll actually, it'll actually just get on its back and it'll keep its feet up. And, and the, if nobody turns it over, it'll, all the blood circulation will cut off and it'll, it'll stop breathing and die. Like sheep are so dependent. So here's the thing is, if you have a bad shepherd, you're going to die. But if you have a good shepherd... That when you fall over, that he picks you up. He leads you. If you read John chapter 10, it even says, he says, my sheep hear my voice. So just having truth in our heart, knowing, hiding it. In Colossians 1, you're like, why haven't you started Jude yet? Because we're—it's the—it's the—it's the Bible. It's the Bible. Um, Colossians one, verse twenty-four. Paul says, "I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ, for the sake of His body, which is the church." of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Did you realize when God calls us, he calls us for one another? That so many people don't realize that they get obsessed with how gifted they, there's a difference between being gifted and being a gift. There's a lot of people that are gifted, but they're not a gift because they're all about their gifting. They're all about, come, come here, the man of God. Come, come here, and I, I, I think it's so important that we do show honor where honor is due, but it's so important that we realize Jesus came to serve, not to be served. He came to lay his life down, and that when he was lifted up from the earth, it was because we were crucifying him. When we exalted him, we exalted him on a cross, but he willfully laid his life down so that when we would look at the cross, we would be healed, if we would have faith, just like that thief, on that, that criminal on the cross that looked up and said, will you remember me when you enter your kingdom? And Jesus says, yes, today you will be with me in paradise. That man didn't do anything but put faith in a man on a cross believing he was the Lord. And we beat ourselves up so much for realizing that it's this de- dependency, that he's the shepherd, he's lead, he's guiding, and if I would just be led by, by this God-man, this The Holy Spirit on the inside of us now leading. It says, verse 26, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations but now has been revealed to his saints. This is the Gentiles being engrafted in. It says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you know this is why the body needs to come together? Because I see Christ in you. Isn't that awesome? I don't know if you guys get that sometimes. Christ in you. The hope of glory. What is the hope of glory? The glory is the manifested presence of God. That the more we get together and see Christ in one another, we're being reminded that one day we're going to put off this natural body. (laughs) And we're going to have glorified bodies. And we're going to praise him forever in the presence of God together. We are the family of God. This is things we need to... Rejoice over to them will to make known the riches of glory. And then in verse 28, it says, everybody say him we preach. preach. Did you see? It's a person that we preach. It's a person. It's not just it's not just doctrine and theology. Yes, it is. That is. But it's a person that if the doctrine and theology doesn't take you deeper in relationship then uh, what, is, what is the point of sound theology if you don't know the sound of his voice? What's the point of sound doctrine if you don't know the sound of his voice? And this is why we gotta be so watchful because there are some people that read the Bible and they like reading the Bible but they only read it through intellect and analytically go through the Bible and they're so, it's like they, they treat it so dogmatic in a sense of like there, there's no there's no room for the Spirit to move. There's no room for us to be led by the Spirit. But here's the thing is that some people get so, I want to be led by the Spirit that they have no bearing in the Word of God and then they're just, they're just weird and crazy. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? But this is why a, a local body is so important because we can help keep each other accountable. If somebody's being a little bit too much in an area we could be like, hey, you know, let's look at the scripture. Let's look at this again and make sure, let's pray about this together. Let's make sure. And sometimes if something is, is immoral or something, then somebody actually has to get called out, but they know it's in love because it's a family. They know that somebody's not just saying, oh, get out of here. We don't like you. It's like, no, we love you too much to let you go on living that way or keep making that mistake. That's sin. Let's call it like it is. Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man, perfect in Christ Jesus, to this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. How many people love seeing that verse, that Paul strived mightily because of the revelation of grace? You see, the revelation of grace didn't make him lazy. The revelation of grace made him work more than anybody. It's important you see that. So, right before we read Jude, Has <laughs> everybody loved the Bible? Like, even if we just read passages the whole night. And that's actually what I, I, I want to do for a moment. I wanna, I, it was a week or two ago when we were celebrating Resurrection Day, First Fruits, that the benediction of the book of Romans talks about how We are strengthened and established by the preaching of the gospel, by hearing about Jesus. And this goes very much in line with during worship when we could sense that God is wanting people to be free, to know that freedom. Can I just read a few passages about the gospel, like in a nutshell? Like what, and what I want you to do as I'm reading this is I want it to literally water the garden of your heart. I, I just, I, I, I want you to hear this and like, not okay, that's, that's good, that's good. No, I, I want this, I want this to just, I, like, I just want you to see like a dry sponge like your heart and then all this water just gets poured on it so you're able to just experience this love and the truth. Does anybody know how special it is? Like, Let's, let's just, for a moment, like, have you been praying, have you been, have you ever prayed for somebody to get a breakthrough or for them to become born again, and you got to witness it or hear about it? Is there people, is, is there a feeling that even comes close to that? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's actually addicting. You're like, how do we get, as, how do more people hear it? How, and, and you, it, it's. But this is it, that we need to preach the gospel to ourselves regularly. So that way we're ready to preach it to the lost. Because if we're, if we're ritualistic about preaching it and it just comes out like, Jesus died for your sins. Like, and it's just very, it's just very, it's, there has to be a, there, there's a joy, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a compassion that it, says that it says that sinners and people were actually drawn to Jesus. They could see that there was, there was a joy. There was something about him that was not like this. It was definitely something different about him than the Pharisees. Because he was getting the whole town coming to his meetings. But the Pharisees were really upset. And they would just come and set spies. But let me just read these. Romans 5, if you're taking notes, write these down so you can uh, read them over yourself and just look in the mirror at home when you're not feeling where you need to and just preach the gospel to yourself. Preach it, look at yourself in the eye and say in Romans 5, verse 6, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man Someone would even dare die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. And while while we were still sinners, Christ died for us much more than having now been justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Can we rejoice? You know what I'm saying? Like when you read this, this is the gospel. Like sometimes Christians, we, we, we almost get so mechanical and we forget to like, this is, this happened to us. <laughs> like sometimes we're so concerned about what's going on there. Like he saved us. We, are the, we have been engrafted into the greatest family. Like the more you lean in this truth, you will live like it. You will, it it'll, it'll transform you. I want to read the whole chapter of Ephesians 2. <laughs> You're like, what? This, this is what I'm saying. It's like, when, have you ever heard somebody say this is a Bible-preaching church? And people, I've actually heard people say, and I'm not trying to come down, but I've heard people say this is a Bible-preaching church, and then when I've heard the sermons there, I only hear one scripture from the pulpit. Not to say you can't, uh, you can't break down a scripture for an hour, but sometimes, sometimes some, and I, and I want to share just so you understand where I'm coming from. There was a time in my life, as a minister, that I would come up with an idea that I thought was very noble or scriptural or, or biblically related, and I would find a scripture to attach to my idea of a good sermon, instead of reading the Word of God and letting his word be the, the sermon, and let it be the context and the substance. Do you know what I'm talking, this is when we talk about preaching Christ, we're talking about getting in this book and making sure that it's accurate and it's who he is and it's coming forth, amen? Wow. Ephesians 2, just, and this will be the last part, we'll get to June. I just, does anybody love the gospel? I just like, <laughs> like read scripture, Ephesians 2, and respond when you hear this, and you, He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of our mind. We were by nature children of wrath, just as the others but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promises, having no hope without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself And to those who were near, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are. Also, are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. No elaboration is needed. What we're doing right now is I, I, I believe the Holy Spirit is showing people this is how you overcome, this is how you overcome. You have to remind yourself. You have to remember. The enemy is banking on you having a short-term memory of God's faithfulness. The enemy is banking on it. The enemy thinks that if you go through a tough situation, that you'll forget about how good he is. So he brings, he brings the heat. It's so important we realize that he's already overcome and he's inviting us into this with him in fellowship. So, if you turn to Jude, you're already there, I know. (laughs) So, in Jude, it's one chapter. One of my favorite sounds in church is hearing the pages flip. I believe it's worship. It's the sound of worship, those pages flipping. It's beautiful. Jude is the half-brother of of Jesus. So it's very interesting that you have two half-brothers of Jesus write very significant letters if we, I do, I do lean towards the, the majority of theologians truly believe that the book of James was written by Jesus's half-brother as well. So you have Jude writing this letter, and we have to think about this. The Bible tells us in John chapter 7, it says that Jesus' family did not believe he was the Lord. So Jude grew up with Jesus. And his name's actually Judas, but the... Uh, when the canonization of the Bible, they, they knew naming a book Judas wouldn't go over well, so they, I'm serious, they called, him, they, they, nick, they called him Jude because, I mean, you have to realize, I mean, I don't think anybody wants to name their kids Judas. Like, I'm just, it's just because of how, but Judah is where that, Judah is what we find in the Old Testament, but, what, but, what, but they actually called him Jude because they didn't, want, they didn't want to defame it, so they called him the nickname, For this book. But he's the half brother of Jesus. And this letter, I just want this letter to share. Like, I don't want to give a lot of context tonight for this letter. I just want to read it. So, I could give you some history on it and things, but I just really feel led to give you the, the substance. So, when it says, when you start in verse one, it says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. So, James is the other half-brother that we see to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. So this is just the intro real quick. I want you to, that the term bond servant you'll find uh, in the Old Testament is, the context was, we brought this up recently, that this kind of servant was one that they ha- they were at one time a slave, so they would, they were paying a debt to their master because of something that a a financial hardship or they just were poor so they would they would have to make up by working for a master so it was but once they paid their debt or got things if they really thought their master took really good care of them they could become a bond servant and they would they would pledge their their allegiance and they would give their life to serve that master knowing he would take care of them so a when he says I'm a bondservant of Jesus, what he's saying is that I, he has paid my debt and I, I align my life to him and he's a good master and takes care of me. Like that's what he's saying right there. But you know what's, even, what's kind of really significant is he doesn't say I'm the half-brother of Jesus. You know how easy it would be to pull weight with that? Like he could just say I'm the half-brother of Jesus, but you see he didn't identify that he identified that I'm a bondservant of him. I, I give my, he's not, he, he's making it very clear, he's my Lord. He's not just my half brother in the natural, how that goes. He's like, no, he's my Lord. And it says to those who are called sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ, how many people are thankful that we're preserved in Jesus Christ? Now, it's very interesting because the very end of this letter talks about being preserved in Christ again. He starts with it and he ends with it. But it says, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Does that just sound like a... Does anybody believe that... Do you think that that's like a hallmark thing or do you think he genuinely is... This is a prayer that like... That these... Spiritual gifts can be multiplied in our lives. Yes. Yes. That we can grow in them and that we can grow in mercy. We can grow in peace and love. And we want it to be multiplied in our lives. This is when we hear about the 30, 60, and 100 fold. I think that this is what God was talking about. To be multiplied in the, the attributes of God. That the mercy would be 30-fold in your life. It would be 60-fold. That the peace would be 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. That the love of God would be 100-fold in your life. How many people would like to see the love of God 100-fold in their life? You know what I'm talking? You see, that gets me excited. That I can grow in this love. This is why you don't want to ever get religious. Because religious says that I know it. I got it. But you know, when you're when when you're just a humble lover, you just say, I, I'm barely scratching the surface. And you throw yourself at the feet of Jesus again, and you just you say, Teach me, Holy Spirit. Teach me. I once heard a a, a man of God, I heard a man say one time, it really spoke to me. He said the, the hardest thing about renewing your mind isn't learning God's will, it's unlearning your own will. And that's the thing is there's so much mixture when we read scripture sometimes is that we're reading it through our our own cultural lenses, our own experiences when God is trying to elevate us into his experience. So that's why you have to come with a humble heart when you read scripture to allow him to lift you up into his experience. Because if you pridefully read the word of God, you hinder where he can take you. You cap it. Because I mean, parents know. Like, if you're trying to hold your child and they're just fighting it, you can you can manage, but it's it's a wrestle. Where how many parents love when their child just wants to be in their arms? A young, it's like the best feeling, like when they want to be there. Like brave today, I was I was. I was working on tonight, and I always tuck away. Sometimes I even have to apologize to my family because I'm like, on Tuesdays, I'm like, I'm so in the zone. Like, I'm just like, and I'm there, but sometimes I'm just like, I'm really, I'm focused on just preparing. And like, and Brave just, I left my office door open, and Brave just came in and just said, Daddy, and looked at me, and then he just, uh, he put his arms up and just wanted to sit in my lap, and I was just like, oh, like, how, why would I ever want to be busy for this? Like, why would I ever? Like, it was God just pretty much saying, like, you're, you're too into it, bro. Like, he's like, I'm, I'm the teacher. I speak through you. Love your child, you know? Like, Because, you know, I do want you to know, like, I want to be vulnerable with everyone. Like, I, I, I put such a weight on speaking for, speaking from the word of God, and we all should that sometimes it's very easy to kind of be like, you can put so much pressure on yourself. Like, God, am I, am I doing this right? Is this, is this right? And we have to remember, we have to lean on him. In evangelism, we have to lean on him when we're discipling people. We have to lean on him when we're, when we're just doing our, our daily responsibilities. Amen? So mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Verse three. It says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Isn't that a very striking scripture that Jude was saying, I wanted to write to you about our common salvation. Like, I wanted to write to exhort you about what we believe, but I found it necessary that there was a change as a baby being born. Yes. <laughs> is, that, is it midwives? That's why I was like. So. Well, we, we talked about breaking chains. So I mean, it's like umbilical cords are breaking. So. uh So. uh <laughs> So. I want to read that again though. It says, beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. I want you to know that this verse is so real to me right now. Like I want you, like, do you know how many times I really just want to talk I just want to encourage people I just want to comfort people I just and that is a part of it but this letter is showing us something here that Jude wanted to do he wanted to just share encouragement and talk but he said I found it necessary that I had to remind I had to exhort you to contend earnestly for the faith and in the Greek the word contend and earnestly are actually like, they're, they're cohesive, and it actually means a super imposition. It means, it means that you have to prioritize what I'm telling you above everything else in your life, that, that this is the priority, that you contend earnestly. Now, it, it, you got to make sure when you read scripture, you read, you got to read every word. It says, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith. Now, Watch which was once for all delivered to the saints. So what is he saying? He's saying that this message of faith, that this gospel that was delivered to you, we have to contend earnestly that, that there's no addition to this gospel. This isn't about a few years later, some, there's gonna be a book of Mormonism. Adding. Jehovah, like people just adding things. He's saying, once for all, we got to contend earnestly. We got to contend earnestly for this. This means that if anybody pushes an agenda that is not what we heard, what, what saved us, what set us free, we are getting it out. We have to contend earnestly for the faith. That this is not, ju- it's not just, it's okay, this person. No, it's a, no, narrow, contend, earnestly, together. You see what I'm saying? That he's saying that I wanted to encourage, but I, something is telling me that I have to warn you that you got to contend earnestly. That, that even though, and, and you have to realize that he's writing to believers. He says at the beginning, to those who are called, To those who are sanctified, like he's writing to believers, telling them, you have to contend for this because the enemy is going to do everything in his power to get you off that cornerstone. He wants you to begin to build on sand and just put Jesus stickers on the walls. Use Jesus wallpaper. It doesn't matter. If you have Jesus wallpaper, it doesn't matter if you have Jesus shingles on your roof. If the foundation is in Christ, it's falling. And we're seeing it happen all over the world right now. That people that aren't building on the person and they're, they're not letting this book be the authority of their life and the authority of their family and their body. This world, I, my mom today, I'm not going to name the church, but my mom today, shared at my and my sister that that my nephew isaac going to a church art class a, a church art class it was a christian art class and they walk in and there are multiple transgenders in the class and my nephew walks in there and they ask one of the kids asks are you a transgender too at a church Church, Christian church. Wow. My nephew is 11, 12. <laughs> you see, but 12, is that, you, but do you see that, that? I understand in public, I understand the world, but the church is not standing on the cornerstone. They're not built, we got to contend earnestly earnestly amen that we we can have compassion on the sinner we can have com- that we're called to do that but we have to understand that we cannot we do not compromise truth we do not forsake his word to appease that is not how you that is not a witness that is conformity that is that you that, that is that you are too fearful of the way that you are perceived, so you bow down to culture. We've been set free from this world so they can throw all the stones they want. It's actually an honor if they throw the stones because we're standing on the cornerstone. We, we're, we, are, we are set free, but we have been... You see, God has called us to contend earnestly for the faith so that that way there is a light there is a city on a hill so those that are walking in darkness can say there is truth there is a people that that not only do they stand for righteousness but they're in love with the righteous one that they that that they're they're not just being legalistic about it they're not just like sh- they're they're not sh- they're not just shunning evil but they truly love a person They truly love a person and they're calling people out of darkness. But if we don't stand and you buckle, this is why we need each other. We need a body to grow together because I'm here to tell you, the phones, the devil is discipling this generation. He's trying to get them. he, He hears even, you know, with it, with cooking, I know people can shut things off their phone and stuff, but the majority of people don't do that. So because of that, they'll hear conversations, they'll hear the TV say something provocative on a commercial, and all of a sudden you get on your phone and there's a sexual image right before you. There's something you should not be watching. You weren't even looking for it, but the devil has got culture to put it in your face and if you don't get around the body and contend earnestly for the things that we believe in and we stand the enemy is going to pull you away but he's a good shepherd he's a good shepherd amen so we got to contend earnestly for the faith the faith we don't add or take away We find out what the scriptures say. And I am still finding things in this book that my life is not aligning up with. And it is still pulling me into the narrow. Amen? That I don't find scriptures to validate my goofy, sinful living. I find scriptures to set me free from it. I find scriptures that call me into his his value system and who he's called me to be. That's why the Holy Spirit, when he convicts believers, he doesn't say, you're a rotten, filthy person. for What he does is he says, you weren't created for that. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but it says for those who walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. If you walk according to the flesh, you are going to walk in condemnation. That's the full counsel. Yeah. You can't just say there's no condemnation and walk in the flesh all the time. Right. If you walk in the flesh, you're going to walk in condemnation because yeah. that's what the Scripture says. Right. Amen? Right. But the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free yeah. from the law of sin and death. Yeah. Set me free from sin. He didn't set me free to sin. He set me free from it. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Come on. He didn't set... Me free to sin. I think a lot of people need to hear this. Because do you realize our culture is the product of compromise? It just started with somebody giving in to pornography over and over again. And then it turned into homosexuality. Then it turned into confused gender. Then it turned into I want to be an animal now. And we laugh at it because it's so great. But that's what sin does. It makes you more and more far away from God's original value. It's pushing people down a course. But some of us justify hidden sin. You know what I'm talking about? Like people justify pornography. And I, I'm, I'm here to say that we, we want to love people out of that. We want to give people out. But I, I'm here to tell you if you play around with certain things it's deceiving you and pulling you down a path that you're not, you, you aren't able to fight it without him. That's right. Come on. That there are people that are, and, and you know, we've had some really rich conversations with some, some of the guys in, in the house, like with home groups, different people struggling with, 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 um, with sexual sin, but they're being vulnerable and talking about it. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Coming forth and sharing with the elders of the church, I'm dealing with this. Can you, can, can you, and, and, and the one thing I'll I'll find is that because of the way we we're we're teaching truth is that people are trying so hard not to sin. And I have to remind them, I was like, that's noble. That's noble that you're trying to fight sin, but at some point you're going to have to lean on him because you can take all the precautionary measures you want, but at some point, All of those things you do to not sin, which I I, I want you to know, it's noble to be like Joseph and run out of the house and to get out of those things. It is, but Jesus said, come to me, all ye are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The way you overcome sin is by staring in the one who's overcome eyes, and you see him, and you get so pulled away from other desires because he becomes your one, amen? So if you are dealing with sexual immorality, if you're dealing with pornography, maybe you even have same-sex attraction, let's call it like it is, because the, the enemy has gotten people to be so, they, they, they wanna hide things because of shame and so forth, but I'm here to tell you that they're, they're, if you, the Bible says in James chapter five, if you confess your sins to one another, you will find healing and being vulnerable with the body the trusted body, people that you see the fruit in their lives, you come and you share and we pray about it together and we look at scripture to show how you can overcome that and you get accountable, you get some brothers, you get some sisters in your life that are gonna hold you accountable to live for him. This is good. So we're not gonna get through this book tonight. But are you thankful though? Are you thankful? So we'll do, we'll we'll go for a few more moments, but I I just, I I always want to, you always have to be so watchful when the Holy Spirit's breathing on something, you don't want to rush, you don't want to, you want to let, like people are getting set free right now because we're talking about things that the enemy doesn't want us to talk about. He doesn't want us to talk about these things because he wants people to stay bound he wants people to be in shame. He wants people to live in habitual sin and not walk in the freedom. Do you know, I, that's why I was sharing during worship, I can just imagine Jesus praying for the saints and just why are they, do they know? Do they know what I've purchased for them? I didn't just purchase a get out of hell card, which that is, ama- that we should shout all eternity for that, but he's, he's saying I've called you to walk and free, freedom from sin in this life that you don't have to conform to culture you don't have to barely make it out of this life no you can get so set on fire for him that you can almost forget what's going on in this world because you're not of it and that you grow and grow and what is the greatest witness it's 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 love but i'm not talking about like just a love. i'm talking about Everybody in this room knows the love I'm talking about. You can see it on somebody. You can see it in their eyes. You can be like, man, I don't know this person, but I know they know Jesus. The way they talk, it's like love drips off their their grammar. It drips off their, like, you can tell that they've been with him. That's the greatest witness. In verse 4. It says, for certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness. In some translations, they'll say sensuality. And deny the only Lord God in our Lord Jesus Christ. What's very interesting about this in particular, in particular statement is all up until the letter of Jude, you've heard Peter, you've heard Paul say, and even Jesus, they're coming. There's going to be people that come. Judas saying they've crept in. They're among us. This is why he's writing. He's he's saying, here's the thing about false teachers. Here's the thing about people that aren't really among, they're not really with us. What's a great example? Judas. It's an example that somebody that's in, but they're not, they're not really in. They have an agenda. They, it, it, it says they, because a false teacher is not going to walk through the door and say, hey, I'm a false teacher. <laughs> it says they crept in, what? Unnoticed. And what does he say? He says, this is why you got to contend earnestly for the faith. Because if you don't back off what is truth, you can identify lies. Yeah. You cannot, that, that's why a lot of believers, it's very easy for us to look at certain things and say, Oh, well, that's, that's not in the word. That's not in some of you might not even have scripture for it, but you can just look at the world and say, Oh, that's, that's definitely not in the Bible. That's definitely not okay because there's some sort of a moral pulse that God has instituted within this, we could say, this nation, this thing. Like there is some pulse, there's some moral pulse that's helping certain things, but if we don't contend earnestly for every line, for, for every precept, all of a sudden people can teach something from this Bible and people could even say, wow, they really sound smart because they, they're quoting a lot of scripture. It's very important that we, we, we know this book and we know his voice because if you don't contend earnestly for truth, if, you, if you're not in love with finding truth, then the enemy is seeking whom he may devour. And he knows the easiest ones to devour are those that don't love truth. Because truth is what protects you. Truth is what guards you. Truth is what holds your heart. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah, but it's so, it's so important that we see that it says ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness, sensuality. Do you know right now there are many churches I actually, I've been sharing this with a few people. There was a worship event. If I even said who the worship leader was, everybody would know. There was a worship leader recently leading worship in L.A. And there was a pastor that's getting a church launch there, and it was like the worship leader was doing this guy a favor to help promote his church. This guy gets up on a microphone in front of a crowd because this worship leader influence pulled a whole group of Christians. And we're going to talk about that next week with Jude, and that's, oh man. Because when we, next week we're going to sh- go through all the Old Testament examples in the book. of He gives seven of them. And he goes through false, the, he's, he's telling the body what these false teachers are going to do, what, what's going to happen, like they're trying to, it's going to, he, and he goes into, all these, these examples that we'll go through next week. But this worship leader, he steps away and the pastor gets up, so-called, and this is what he says, over, and you can, I, I mean, I just, I'm trying to be watchful. I mean, I could just call it out, but I just want you to know that what would happen is this, this minister gets up and this is what he says. He begins to exhort a little bit, talking about love, sounds good. And then all of a sudden, he says this, he says, Does anybody notice that Jesus Christ was silent on the issue of homosexuality? And then this is the next phrase. Shouldn't the church be silent too? Then he goes on to say, you thought that was enough. He goes on to say, love is love. And then he says this. He says, God is love which means the Holy Spirit is love. And he says, what is the unforgivable sin? To blaspheme the Holy Spirit. So if you blaspheme what love is, you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. I want you to know you would, I I am surprised lightning did not strike the pulpit. This is serious saints. And the culture is wanting The devil wants to get the church to bow down to an agenda, but we have to be watchful that we don't lose our compassion for the lost in the process. That's why you have to intercede and you have to pray because I wanna see transgenders get set free in this room. I wanna see homosexual relationships get broken up both of them are stored, and that people will find their true worth in Christ. And that's what I want to believe. And the thing is, is that there is a way that we as a body can contend earnestly for the faith that God will use us as a light and as a refuge that he can send the most broken people to. And that, but I want you to know that we cannot compromise. In or, for, the, for the sake of love, compromise is never an option. In fact, As the world gets more and more crazy, we have to stand even stronger on what we believe. I hope you're hearing me tonight, saints. We have to stand for truth, and the only way you can stand for truth is if you know the truth. And that's just not knowing a couple of, it's not just knowing a couple of Republican values. It's not just knowing a couple of conservative values. It's knowing the Bible and knowing even the things that are required of us that are still challenging our character and still challenging us who we are. That way we can truly walk in the light. But worship team, if if you come, I, I really do believe that I was endeavoring to get through the whole book. I really did. I, I, but you could just you could just You can just sense that God is, because you have to understand when we're talking about in the next coming weeks on sexual immorality, all that, like, I want to show you the examples we're going to go through next week. We're going to go through the the Israelites and them being delivered out of Egypt. You know, even though God delivered them out of Egypt, it says that the older generation, God did not let them go into the promised land. He gives these examples in the book of Jude saying that even though people were delivered, they willfully kept rejecting me. So I did did not let them in. And then it goes into the the fallen angels and how Lucifer deceived one third of the angels that were in glory. And then he talks about Solomon Gomorrah, a whole city. Did you see the city was so corrupt that there was only Lot was the only righteous one in the whole city? Do you see that living in a certain area, how much it could corrupt you if you don't stand for truth? Like we have to even ask ourselves sometimes how how much has culture seeped into our thinking? Even when we're reading scripture. We have to get cleansed of that. But He'll help us. I don't want you to be like, oh, what do I do? No. He's a good shepherd. Smile. It's good. We can talk about serious stuff and still be joy. He's coming back. And then we're talking about Cain, the area of uh, the greediness of of Balaam and the rebellion of Korah. Oh, man. If you don't know that story, I want to read that. That's the one I want to read, like, in entirety next week. Oh, man. Every time I read that story, the fear of the Lord hits my heart. Like, I feel like I have to call up anybody that's a, like been a spiritual mentor or overseer in my life and just call them and apologize. Because it talks about bucking spiritual God-ordained order. God's, God made a hole and swallowed all the rebellion. You know, the, the one thing about that story is like. Moses, as soon as they were speaking against Moses, they were talking about Moses. You know what Moses did? He doesn't yell at him. He just falls on his face before God. While they're all rebellion. And you know what God says to Moses? He says, get away from them. He says, get away from them. And Moses, you know why he was telling him to get away? Because he was about to open the earth up and swallow them. Like this, it's in, it's in, this is, and this is Jude bringing these stories up to remind us to make sure that we're contending earnestly for the faith because false teachers can come in, things can come, and if you get lazy with certain things, but this is why we have the body, to remind one another, to get in the scriptures to go. And uh, we're going to read this again next week, but I just, the, the, the last The last two verses of this this book, I wanna make sure we leave on a high note of encouragement where it says, verse 24, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Isn't that a a sign-off you could just read over and over again?